guys welcome to another exciting episode on queen with a difference podcast thank you so much for the comments and um, your reviews from the previous podcast i appreciate them well and i do not take it for granted the episode on queen with a difference podcast we are still on sexual purity and it's with great pleasure to introduce to you our esteemed guest for today's episode in person of coyote caleb before we dive into our discussion for today on the topic the role of god's love in sexual purity let me give you a brief introduction of our guest coyote caleb who is a christian blogger and literary writer who has a passion for reading books and watching good movies i am true to have you join us today and I am confident that you have valuable insights to share with our listeners. So, dear listeners, sit back, relax, and enjoy our engaging conversation. Trust me, you are going to learn a lot, like a lot from kids. And don't fail to drop your questions at the end of today's discussion. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Brokilev, for honoring our invitation on Create a Difference podcast. And it is a great pleasure to have you on our show. Thank you very much. I really appreciate this uh, moment to be with you at this time. All right. So, guys, today Brokilev is going to be taking us on the topic, the role of God's love in sexual purity. Trust me, it's going to be a smooth and a, a great ride, and you are going to be learning a lot from today's episode. Please, over to you, sir. You can now start. What do you have for us? Quite a few things uh, to that regard in understanding how uh, God's love really relates to the matter of special purity and. Um, I really want to appreciate that something like this is coming up and I want to bless God for your own person who are taking it upon themselves. I think this is not uh, you know, the first time, second time, the third time that things like this have come up from several persons and um, you know, including yourself in the several persons who would uphold the concept of sexual purity in a generation that's already covered is indeed um, an honor you know from your own side and i would just want to say uh, as a matter of, manner of introduction that the fact that we say we want to be sexually pure actually boils down to just one foundation and that is the person of god himself so we cannot successfully talk about sexual purity if we would not bring God into the equation. So it is just all about God. The reason for which we want to be pure, not just, you know, in the aspect of uh, sex and um, relationship, uh, in every other aspect of our life, it's just because of God and what he has done for us, you know, by, by sending his son to die on the cross to save us from our sins and then he commands us therefore to live for him. So I think everything just revolves around him and when we talk about sexual purity, it's just one of the aspects uh, in everything that we talk about when we say God himself has commanded us to do first thing. 
thank you for 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 that beautiful introduction like you're welcome he says that the the matter of sexual purity boils down to God. So, are you trying to tell us that sexual purity cannot, uh, we cannot attain sexual purity unless we are first come to God? Yes, I would say that um, emphatically. I would I would say yes to that, and the reason for which it would be a yes is because. There is no one who has ever come to purity, or there is the, the scripture would make us understand that there is no one that is pure. There is no one who seeks after God. There is no one who wants the Lord. There is no one who desires God. And when we, like I said in uh, in the introduction, that the matter of sexual purity boils down to God, and the matter of purity itself, you know. So the matter of sexual purity now boils down to the matter of purity. And when we say purity, it is not just one aspect of our life, but it encompasses everything about us. So when we want to talk about the issue of sexual purity, how it relates to the fact that God is the central focus, we say that God has made us to be pure before Him by the blood of the Lamb. And because of that, we can now begin to pursue you know, the purity in terms of uh, our sexual life and our relationship life. So it is not possible indeed because the person who wants to be sexually pure in himself, someone who desires not to mingle himself with uh, non-believers and um, devices of the world has first been made pure by God through salvation. And because of that, it is possible for this person to keep himself. So a, a man or woman who is outside the sphere of God's kingdom uh, cannot find it very much possible to want to keep themselves pure in line with the standards and principles of God because they don't even know uh, the person of God and they don't understand the holiness of God, they don't understand the purity of God in the first place. Wow. Thank you so much. <clears throat> so you can proceed to tell us the role of God's love in sexual purity. All right. Um, I think I'll first talk about that in John chapter 14, verse 15 says, If ye love me, keep my commandments. And um, this is Jesus Christ speaking to his disciples that if there's anything about you loving me, and you, so we also have to understand the definition of love in, uh, in the scriptures that what love really means is that God loved us and not that we love, love him. The reason for which we say we can love God is because we are, He had first loved us. And the kind of love, the essence that which God loves us is an everlasting and eternal one. And because of that internal and everlasting love, He tells us to love Him. And we know we cannot come to the fullness of the kind of love He has for us. But yet, in our only way in which He has told us you know, to love Him, He tells us if we love Him, then there is one way we uh, he would know that there is a, our love for him, and that is when we keep his commandments. So, God's commandments in dealing with um, uh, our sexual life and relationship life actually boils down to how he first ordained this in Genesis chapter, in Genesis chapter one, when he created man, and Genesis chapter two, you know, when he made man, and he formed man, and then he said it is not good that man should be alone. So he made a woman for man, and that was in Genesis chapter 2, 
down to 23, 23, 24, and 25. And then we now see one of Jesus' uh, you know, accounts in telling the people he was with his audience when he was telling them something. He said that when he was talking about divorce, asking the Pharisees questions, uh, and he referred back to Prince chapter 2 that says, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one place. So, I think the first thing is that command because Jesus had to tell us that, and he that made them in the beginning said, when he had already said it, that the man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to one man. Now, this is the primary ordination of God in marriage. Now, this is talking about the marriage that God ordained that a man and a woman. Now, when we talk about marriage, I think it now really boils down or it brings us back to um, singlehood. You know, what is God's plan? What is God's purpose for marriage? And when we understand God's purpose for marriage, it makes us understand God's purpose for us as uh, a single. So, in marriage, it commands just one man and one woman should be found in marriage. A Christian brother and a Christian sister, not two Christian brothers with one Christian sister, uh, because if we even bring that in context, they would not be Christians in the first place. Not two men and you know, one woman, or three women and one man, as we have it in uh, several cases today. So the ordination for marriage by God was one man and one woman. And then, if I to ask Jesus that, oh, Moses said that we could actually divorce and uh, he said well the reason for which he said that was because your own heart were very much art. But in the beginning it was not so. So we now see that in the beginning it is God's desire that the person who will be that one man and the other person will be that one woman before the end of marriage would keep themselves. Paul was telling Timothy uh one of his accounts in Timothy that he should flee fornication. And that is just the command. I, I wouldn't want to know much about any other command that talks about sexual purity. This is just the foundation. But we don't need to delve into several passages in the scripture that I want to you know, talk about this. But, you know, it is just clear when the scripture says flee fornication, it says flee every account of evil. And it's a command. So when I love God, you know, the foundation for this, um, my uh, exposition is. John for this is that if he loves me. Now my love for God compels me to want to obey his commandments. And one of the commandments of God for me as a uh, you know, young man and yourself as a young man is to flee fornication, to flee every appearance of evil. Anything it is that leads us to want to do evil, there is a command to flee. So my love for God makes me see how much no God loves me. It makes me see how much God really desires that I become like his son. It makes me see how much it is I have to follow the commandment. I have to follow the patterns and the principles of living. And when I begin to see that, it makes me understand I have to just obey his commandments. And when the commandments are obeyed, I have to find myself obeying the fact that I have to flee you know, uh, the matter of um, fornication and every other thing. There are just several, uh, when we talk about sexual impurities, there are several things under that, whereas the uh, 
the the primary ordination of God is that the matter of sex should be found in a godly marriage between one man and another woman. One man, one woman who we call couples. We call them couple. We call them husband, and then we call them wife. You know that is just how primary it should be. And as singles who really desire to love the Lord, the one thing that should serve as the foundation should be that we flee fornication and every other thing that accompanies. Wow. I'm lost in thought. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's a lot. Because I'm like, okay, where is this brother driving us to? It says from, from, from John 14, 16. In fact, I'm like, okay. God's love, sexual purity. And then we're trying to see that if you love me, you keep my commandments. Yes. Oh, I don't know, but I'm just thinking, especially when it comes to the matter of sexual purity, it seems really hard. Do you think loving God is enough excuse to, to, to not enjoy all of these players that it comes with? You know, talk about any part of sexual impurity, like fornication, adultery, mm-hmm. masturbation, and the likes. Even the mental fantasies that we sometimes want to, you know, the mental fantasies that we, <coughs> we, we think in our heads. What do you think? Do you think the love of God is enough, like, is enough for me to now say, <laughs> because I'm loving God, let me keep Okay, thank you for the question. Now, the concept of God's love is my look so simple because the scripture itself simplified it. And uh, I'll just want to take it to first, I think first John chapter 5. That gives a declaration. Did you say first John chapter 5? Yes, I said that. First John chapter 5. And, um, Verse three, verse two and three. I'll just read verses two and three. It says, "By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments." Now it says, it tells us that this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. Now that's the love of God. That's the love when we say we have the love of God upon our hearts. I, I think I didn't mention that there is the love of God, you no, know, and there's that love for God, and the love for God is a response to the love of God. When God's love has been shed upon our hearts by the Holy Spirit, when we, when we dig ourselves you know, into the Word of God and we see that God, God's will for us is the best, when we see that God's will, God's will for us is perfect, and when we see that it's acceptable, then we know that there is that love of God upon our hearts shed abroad continually by the Holy Spirit. Now, the love we now have for God it's not simply a response to the love of God that the Holy Spirit shares upon us. Now, this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. There is a love of God and there is a response. We keep His commandments. It tells us in verse 3D that and His commandments are not grievous. You know, the reason for which we want to uh, allow this pleasure to take over us is because we might not, we have not seen uh, the pleasures of God Himself. Uh, let's take, take it to Romans chapter 12. 
Romans chapter 12, uh, tells us something. Romans 12 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice only. Now, our bodies, now the, the physical body, a living sacrifice to God. Uh, amplify, I think amplify the own message makes it so much, um, it has amplified or amplified in a way that it says, even your ordinary life, you're waking up, you're eating, you know, you're sleeping, you're everything you do, you make it a living sacrifice only and acceptable to God. And that's our reasonable service. It says in verse 2 that, and be not conformed to this world. Now, it's speaking to Christians, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And if you look at the keyword there, there are two keywords there transformed, renewing, renewing, you know. Uh, I wouldn't. Have, I don't know if I have much time to take us back to how it all started in Genesis chapter two and three, how we fell and in our falling we became corrupted and corruptible. Our spirit died, our soul became corrupt, and uh, our bodies too started to die. You know, we we lost that perfection that God made us with in the beginning, and because of that. If we would actually come to Christ, you know, there's a concept of justification that happened on the cross where God declares us justified, He declares us uh, without sin because of the blood of Jesus. And when He sees us, He sees us as someone who has been made righteous and made clean. And because we have been made righteous, He commands us that our soul, our mind continues to be renewed. So, you know, the, the Christian who has not really found himself wanting to love God, it would mean that. Uh, you know, Scripture says, "Do not love the world, but uh, because he that loves the world, the love of the Father is not in So we have more of the love of the world in us, and we continue to deny or uh, not want the love of the Father because we have not seen the beauty of the love of the Father. We may be conformed to this world, but be transformed. So there's a transformation, and the reason for which we have a transformation is because there was a deformation. So that our uh, body, soul, and spirit became deformed. So now there is a standard before us, and we need to continue to transform ourselves by the renewing of our mind. When our minds are being renewed, so such persons need to give themselves to a continued renewal of the mind. And when we now continue to renew our mind, that is when we are able to prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of god so god's will is good god's will is perfect but when we now continue you know in renewing our mind we're able to accept it because it is acceptable it is something that we really must desire so there is always a struggle between what because as young men and, and young men we always have struggles even when it has to do with our you know sexual our sexual life our relationship life there's always a struggle our emotional life and everything that has to do with you know uh, relationship and the, the matter of sex and sexual purity there's always that struggle but we have a responsibility to undertake and that is to continue to renew our deformed mind and transform it that we can continue to look like christ there may be times when we give ourselves to you know the mental fantasy and then the pleasure in our heads but when we realize that there is a love of god that surpasses such thing, we continue to give ourselves intentionally even to this thing. So, I say love, the love of God must be shared abroad continually upon our heart as we give ourselves, as we open our heart to the word of God. And when we accept God's word, we are able to accept that His will is perfect for us, and then we can keep ourselves 
because the commandments of God are not good yet. Oh wow. Thank you so much. You already answered a part of a question now I was going to ask next. Yes, and um I I still want you to like say it emphatically again. And I'm going to ask the question, but I want you to answer it with full assurance because you know there are some of my listeners that already have their own beliefs formed in their head. Now my question is this do you think it is for our own good to actually stay sexually pure? To what? To stay sexually pure. Do you think it is for our own good? When God was saying marriage is good with the bed undefiled. Okay. You know, and all other kind of sexual impurities or sexual immorality that seem to be the order of the day in, in our generation. Do you think as a youth that is not um, engaging in stuff like this or maybe there are even people who are the verge of these things? Do you think it is actually for our own good that God has commanded that we abstain from sexual impu- immorality? Or you think it is it is just God wanting to be God? Okay. Um, well, the first thing I would say uh, concerning that is, though I won't give the answer now, but let me just say some of the things before I give the emphatic answer. Okay. Uh, the first thing, whatever God does, whatever he has ever done and whatever God will ever do, he does and he continues to do them and he will never do them for his own glory. That is the first thing that we understand, that God does things, he, 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 he pours out things, he commands things all for himself first. That is the first thing. God does whatever it is he has ever done for his own glory. Now, when we now talk about the fact that God does it for his own glory, then it brings us to understand how does it even affect us? There's a question in, um, I think, the Westminster Shorter Catechism. I think in about two or three uh, in the questions and answers, it says that what is the chief end of man? And the answer is the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him. Now, I think one of the questions that were, were not, was not there was what is the chief end of God? And because the answer was the chief end of God is to glorify God. No, and to enjoy him. Now, God continues to do everything to glorify himself and he does everything to enjoy himself. Now, if a Christian receives a command from God to do certain things, first, he must understand it is that God be glorified and second, it is for his own good because God would not make us do that which he does not grant us the strength or the power to do. So, yes, it is first for God's own glory, and second, it is for our own good. There is nobody who engages in sexual impurities and ends well. They continue to engage in it and does not find God's love and embrace, does not embrace God's love. Such a person has, there is nobody who has ever done such and has engaged in This is what first is having that in verse 3 says, For you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. Verse 3 says, so this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. fornication rather. Verse 4 says that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Verse 7 says, For God has not called us to uncleanness, but unto holiness. If you look at the end of it, there is a reward for obeying God's commandments. You are 
you know brought into god's glory you are brought into more of god you understand more you you're able to embrace god's love and you're able to see more of why you should obey him and you understand that it is the will of god so if a christian is now i think our audience basically maybe christians and persons who are not even christians may get to hear this and if we have such persons the word i'll say is that we have to understand that there is the love of god that has poured out for us on the cross he poured it out without uh without measures he poured his love out without measures and you know as much as he was pouring his wrath upon christ it was an uh an, a manifestation of the love of god to us that now the wrath of god has been poured out and god's justice is satisfied and because it is satisfied god then says this is my will this is how i desire to bring you into conformity to the image of my son because everything it is that god has ever done for his glory he does it that man and woman would come into conformity into the conformation of the image of christ that is how it, that is why i have predestinated us and i think in romans chapter 8 and in Ephesians chapter 1 that we brought into adoption through christ jesus so that we can become like him we can be the firstborn you know of many brethren so when god has now saved us from the the filthiness of our hearts and the corruption of our souls when he saved us from this things because we're deserving dust death and hell and ills but god in his own mercy saved us and because he saved us he commands us that now this is what i want you to do paul was telling to set of persons that before this time god had overlooked you know some of the things that i have done but now he commands us so sexual purity is for our good and it it is for god's glory god commands us to do it and because we understand it is for god's glory god does not will that his commandments will cause us you know to it would cause evil upon us but when you follow his commandments we find out that there is peace we find out that there is bliss we find out that there is complete rest even in it so the answer to that what persons very persons will be listening to this is yes it is god's will and it is for our good no more no less hmm. awesome it is god's will and it is for our own good yeah. so if we have the mind of christ and we are ready to do his will it is only for our own favor which is that it will favor me and it will favor every other person that is listening to this ready to take a step and it is also for our own glory we have come to the end of today's episode on the role of god's love in sexual purity and this is just a part one i hope you enjoyed every bit of it and you had great lessons to take back home if you have been blessed by today's episode don't fail to share with your friends and family leave a comment and like this podcast thank you and i hope to see you next time so stay tuned and stay connected thank you